welcome to the Wildlife Explorer, a podcast by Essex Wildlife Trust, where we aim to inspire you with our work to protect the wildlife and wild places of Essex and what you can do to help wildlife wherever you live. On today's show, we're going to be delving into the fragmented world of our urban wildlife and how you can become a champion for them. We're going to be talking about the amazing colony of bats at our Hanningfield Nature Discovery Park and how you can watch them without even leaving your home. And finally, how nature can work wonders for your mental health. It's all coming up on the show. about nature, we're often guilty of thinking about it just in terms of our idyllic view of it. Lush green fields, open countryside, towering woodlands, meandering rivers and peaceful coastal vistas. We perhaps think less often of the nature that shares our urban landscapes, cities and towns that hide a plethora of wildlife, peeking out at us from atop a lamppost, nesting in the eaves of a high-rise tower block, or taking advantage of the remnants of a discarded takeaway feast. Wildlife is all around us, trying to live alongside us as best they can in order to survive, and sometimes thrive. We notice these things, and we know some of you do too, and want to know what you can do to help ensure the balance works for both nature and humans. That's why we've set up the Urban Wildlife Champions Project. Have you ever been upset about overzealous cutting of our roadside verges, destroying the hundreds of wildflowers that stood before? Do you walk past an area of underused land and think, that would be the perfect place for a bat or a barn owl box? Or what about brightening up town centres with native flowers? Or have you ever wondered how you could organise a beach clean to keep your favourite spot litter-free? It can be hard to feel empowered as an individual with the feeling of, well, what can I as one person do, often overtaking our thought process and stopping us actually taking action to make a change. Well, we're here to help, connecting you with other like-minded champions, training, resources, and support, as well as celebrating your work with others. Danielle Carbot is our Urban Engagement Officer, and she's here to explain more about this special project. Hi, I am Danielle Carbot, the Urban Engagement Officer at Essex Wildlife Trust, and today I'll be talking about our urban wildlife alongside the work we're doing in the Trust to protect and enhance habitat in and around our towns and villages. Essex's wildlife shouldn't just be confined to nature reserves. In fact, nature can be welcomed and supported right on your doorstep. I'm currently in my urban garden, and although it is a bit of a miserable day, I can still hear the sounds of those spring birds. Essex's towns and villages really can be stepping stones and corridors for wildlife, as well as gateways to our natural world for people. We need those joined up, nature-rich spaces all across our landscapes, so plants, animals, seeds and nutrients can move from place to place, giving them space. We also need these wild spaces to be better for people, 
there are multiple benefits to spending time in green and blue spaces. So to do this, we have launched the Urban Wildlife Champions Project. We want to recruit individuals and community groups who want to take action for wildlife in their local area. We will support, guide and advise through informal chats, online or in person, whatever suits, site visits, training and webinars. We want to create a people-powered movement where we give communities the motivation, capacity and tools to make the changes that they want for wildlife and people. In the coastal town of Brightlingsea, for example, I'm currently supporting the Greener Gardens Group, 3G for short, led by Jenny, who have a vision to bring back gardening for wildlife to the town. Through a team of volunteers, local residents will be helped to make small manageable changes in their gardens to benefit local wildlife. And I'm sure there'll be a cup of tea and a slice of cake with that too. In the village of Wickham Bishops also, John and his team are developing the Wickham Bishops Biodiversity Project, where they are hoping to create a community nature trail. They have already crafted and installed some beautiful bird and bat boxes across the village and have other wonderful plans to restore some grass and habitats where wildflowers will be encouraged to flourish. If you want to become an urban wildlife champion and lead change in your community, please visit our website where we have a dedicated landing page for you to sign up. As you all know, hedgehogs have become regular garden visitors and there are a number of ways you can help these prickly creatures thrive. Hedgehogs wander through our gardens in search of food. So the first thing you need to do is to ensure the forage is safe by removing pesticides from your gardens. Hedgehogs also need to be able to move from garden to garden, so holes in fences can provide safe passage. These hedgehog highways can be established throughout a street, so hedgehogs don't need to resort to crossing busy roads. The average hedgehog roams two kilometres a night. I'm currently sitting next to a newly created hedgehog gap in my fence. And what I had to do was instead of creating the hole in the wood itself, I went underneath my concrete block. Many of you will have that in your fences as well. And you can actually, instead of creating a gap, just install a tunnel. In the coming weeks, I'll be coming out to find any evidence of hedgehogs. And often the best indicator can be their poo. Our insects have also learned to live alongside us in urban areas. In fact, gardens and green spaces can be vital habitats for our invertebrate. I've already seen the intriguing dark-edged bee fly hovering over an early dandelion in the garden, using its long tongue to feed on the nectar. Many people get rid of dandelions from their garden, but actually they're one of the most important wildflowers, simply because they bloom nice and early and provide that vital nectar source. Allowing an area of your lawn to naturalise over the summer months can be really beneficial. A spring mow followed by an autumn mow will encourage wildflowers to develop. Or if you can't manage that just yet, no mow may is a good option too. You'll be treated to the colours of our wonderful native wildflowers such as self-heel, daisies, dandelions, red and white campion, meadow buttercup, yarrow and black medic. Looking at wildflower meadows for just six seconds reduces heart rate and makes you feel happier. I'm just looking at my lawn right now and I've spotted just underneath me here a tiny forget-me-not plant. If you don't have a large garden or own a balcony, the same effect can be created by popping wildflower seeds in a container or a pot. 
If lots of people do this in your city, town or village, flower corridors can be created for invertebrate to feed on. Right next to my hedgehog gap I have just here is an area of my garden I have encouraged to naturalise. Unfortunately, much of my garden is shaded, so instead of encouraging a meadow-style habitat, I am mimicking a woodland. Right now I have some teeny tiny wild garlic leaves popping up, and later on in the year they produce the most beautiful delicate white flowers, which the pollinating insects love. I'm also trialling a log pile in the shaded area. Instead of taking cuttings or fallen branches from those recent storms to my local garden waste collector, I am incorporating them into a deadwood habitat. These will act as shelters for hibernating toads or hedgehogs in the coming years, and I have my fingers crossed for some stag beetles too. So don't revert to concrete decking just yet. Try some native shade-loving plants and see what happens. Another species that has adapted to urban areas are bats. They love old buildings and trees where they can hide away in the small gaps and crevices. All species of bat in the UK rely on insects as their main food source, which is why providing those nature-rich spaces in your garden or balcony can support these wonderful flying mammals. But to try and make my garden as suitable for bats as possible, I have also ensured my outside artificial lights are dimmed and only on when they need to be, as light pollution disturbs their nocturnal movements. So if you can, go outside and check that your outside lighting is tilted down and dimmed, making sure it is not directly on any potential habitat. If you test this out and take these actions, you never know, you might spot a bat swooping and pirouetting around your house. We are now also in the season of swifts, a summer visitor to the UK that usually arrives in April. They are aerial birds who are excellent flyers, so amazing in fact that they often sleep on the wing. Swifts are dark, sooty brown with a forked tail and a piercing call. If you don't have a garden, then swifts are the species for you. They like to build nests in old buildings, under roof tiles and in small gaps in the bricks. You can also buy specially designed swift nest boxes, which you install high on the vertical wall of your house, under the eaves. These nest boxes should be between a north and east aspect, facing away from direct sunlight. Swifts also like to nest and feed and migrate in groups. So if you have the space, why not put up a number of boxes and just see what happens? Swifts are red list species in the UK, so if you already have them nesting in your roof, please protect them. They come back to the same nest year after year. I have nesting swifts in my rather old roof, areas of which need work doing to it. So it's about having those conversations with the builders, ensuring work is done at the right time of year to avoid disturbing nest sites. So as you can tell, there's lots of actions you can take. So why not try some out? Bring wildlife to your garden, or maybe even become an urban wildlife champion. Thanks, Danielle. It's been amazing to see how many people have signed up already. It's been really popular through our social media and people signed up through our website. So if you do want to try it, you won't be alone. So there'll be plenty of champions to support you on your journey. Now, we're a bit bat mad here at the Trust. These little creatures really do possess some superhero-like qualities and we're lucky enough to have a whole colony of them at our Hanningfield Nature Discovery Park site. 
Each year, pregnant pipistrelle bats flock to our maternity roost, which provides them with a safe space to give birth and rear their young. You can get up close and personal with them, watching their fascinating behaviour by tuning into our live bat webcam on our website. The box is full to the brim at the moment, so head over to see what they're up to. We also have a barn owl webcam and swallow cam, which both make addictive viewing too. Katie Goldsborough is our Abiton Reservoir Ranger and definitely takes the crown as number one bat fan amongst our staff. She's here to talk about some of their aforementioned superpowers and how you can help attract bats to your own garden or local area. is Katie Goldsborough and I'm here to talk to you again about my favourite creatures in the whole wide world, bats. So I'm currently looking at the Essex Wildlife Trust bat webcam on our website which is at Hanningfield Reservoir where I can see the most gorgeous bundle of floofers huddled together in their roost and I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. About ten of them all hugged together and it is so cute. So for those of you that don't know much about Hanningfield Reservoir Nature Discovery Park, it is located next to the beautiful 870-acre reservoir and consists of a gorgeous, mature woodland and a friendly visitor centre to visit, which is famous for its big bat maternity roost. Now, this means that every single spring, pregnant female bats come to this roost to give birth and raise their young. And then the bats leave again in the autumn time when their babies are old enough to fly and feed for themselves. And then they go to their hibernation roost, which will be somewhere else to overwinter. Now, this maternity roost here at Hanningfield, the one that I can see here on the bat cam, is made up of entirely soprano pipistrelle bats. So these are one of our smallest bat species that we have here in the UK and they are around the size of a 50 pence piece. So if you can imagine how small that is, it's really tiny and they weigh only four to six grams. So really, really small. And these bats love wetland and woodland habitats to feed. So Hanningfield is perfect for this species, hence why they chose to live here. So if you can keep a sneaky eye on our bat cam, which is what I like to call it, you will notice the roost gain more and more members as time goes on. And then around June time or early July, the females will give birth to one single baby bat, which is called a pup. So a soprano pipistrelle is not actually pregnant for a certain amount of days like many other animals. No, these creatures are incredibly amazing and as with all bats, and they can pause their pregnancies depending on the temperature and the weather. So if they look out their roost and go, oh, a bit cold, a bit rainy, that will pause that and then we'll make sure that we give birth when it's nice and sunny. So that is really cool. So once they are born, these pups then feed from their mum's milk for around three to four weeks. And they do this because they're mammals, so they drink milk. 
And then after around four weeks, they begin to fly, like learn to fly. And one cool thing that baby bats do is when they're building up their flight muscles and they're trying to learn to fly, they do little push-ups to try and build the muscles up before they start learning to take off. And then around six weeks, they will start foraging for themselves to start going out and looking for insects to eat and be weaned off their mum's milk. So they literally do grow up too fast. And you can watch all of this happen live from our back cam. And you can find our back cam over at www.s6wt.org.uk and then look at the wildlife cams section on our website. So you may watch their stories unfold. You may see individual bats that completely steal your heart. And you may fall as in love with these beautiful creatures as I am. So firstly, woohoo, if you do, because bats need all the champions that they can get. And secondly, you may be wondering how you can help bats. So whether that's at home, at work, on your walks, anywhere, we can all help this amazing group of species. So first, here are a few facts about bats. There are 17 breeding bat species here in the UK and every single one of them needs our help. And all bats are a protected species here in the UK, which means they have full legal protection. So this means it is against the law to take or harm any bat or bat roost. So, some suggestions to create a bat haven of your own to help these flying furries can be things such as putting up bat boxes. So, bats roost in all sorts of different places, but in recent years, due to habitat fragmentation, increased development and all sorts of other issues, bats can find it hard to find suitable homes to roost in. So putting up specialised bat boxes can really help. And these boxes can be put on buildings, on trees or poles. And they need to be at least four to five metres above the ground to help them avoid predators. Things They like to be higher up. But we also need to be mindful that once we put up a bat box, we cannot then open it legally without a licence. And we need to be careful to, to think about when considering any future works that may need to happen on any buildings that we put a bat box on. And if there's bats present in these boxes due to bats being a protected species, you will need to have an ecologist in to help with that. Something else that you can do to help bats is to actually help the insects that bats feed on so planting nighttime scented flowers to help attract these nighttime insects um, and let your garden go a little wild so maybe build a pond which also encourages these insects let your wildflowers grow don't mow your grass that sort of thing will all help the bat food chain and in turns bats and another important thing that we can do ourselves but also we can champion trying to target our local councils and things about is reducing or even removing artificial lighting at night so because bats are nocturnal animals they have adapted to a life in darkness and lighting during night time can be extremely disturbing for this group of species so that is a really important one 
So that is a lot of batty information there for you all at once, but perfect for the start of spring, because as you may start noticing bats darting along hedgerows on your walks, or acrobatting in your garden, acrobatting, or oh, what's the word, aerobatics, it's probably more like it in your garden. But as the new season begins, you'll start noticing more and more batty action. And now you can delve behind the scenes of this as well into the secret world of these nighttime stars and learn more about bats on our Batcam and our website pages as well. So yeah, check it out. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Katie. They're so fascinating, aren't they? And if you want to hear what a soprano pipistrel echolocation call sounds like, Katie actually sent a little recording through of that as well, so here we go. Very cool. Now let's move on to our newest feature of the show, What Three Birds, where each month we will play three different clips of birdsong to help you identify different species while you're out and about. First up this month is the easiest bird on the list to identify, and one that you may be familiar with, and that's the cuckoo. Like the chiff-chaff that we featured last month, this cheeky bird sounds like it's singing its own name. Cuckoos are secretive, and it must be said, at times, pretty brutal birds, and are much more often heard than seen. However, if you do see one, you might be surprised at its size. Cuckoos lay their eggs in the nest of an unsuspecting host bird, favouring meadow pipits, robins, dunnocks, reed warblers, pied wagtails and willow warblers. The host bird will go on to hatch the egg and rear the cuckoo chick, bringing seemingly endless beakfuls of food to the cuckoo's bright orange gaping mouth. Once the hatchling is strong enough, it ejects all the other host bird's chicks from the nest, pushing and pushing until they roll out onto the floor below. It's certainly an unusual survival tactic, but fascinating nonetheless. Listen out for them from April, as their song signals one of the first signs of spring. Next up is the blue tit, a favourite garden bird of many. The bright blue and yellow feathers of this little bird really brighten your day, and they have an equally bright song to go with it. High-pitched and urgent, the first note is often more highly pitched than those that follow. They also have quite a different warning call, which is something that you've probably heard when you've been out for a walk and got too near one in a tree or a bush. Finally, we welcome the return of the swallow. Having travelled to the UK from its African wintering grounds to spend the summer with us, there's nothing better than watching their aerial acrobatics as they swoop and soar in the air, catching insects on the wing. 
Swallows often nest in the eaves of houses and if they've chosen yours before, they may well return to the exact same nest year after year. So you can help swallows by leaving their nests be, saving them time and energy by not having to rebuild their nests from scratch the following year. Now we've looked at what we might be hearing at this time of year, let's have a look at what we can hope to see in this month's Wildlife Wows. Delight your senses with a wander through our Shadwell Wood Nature Reserve in Saffron Walden with its stunning display of wood anemone, oxlips and bluebells carpeting the woodland floor. While you're there, keep an eye out for fox cubs who will be starting to emerge above ground for the first time in late April and are often in a playful mood, chasing each other and enjoying their first taste of solid food. Our resident barn owls are still regularly visiting our nesting box at Blue House Farm Nature Reserve, so don't miss out on watching these majestic birds up close on our barn owl webcam. April is also a great time to spot the first butterflies of the year, enjoying the first warmth of the sun's rays. Our team have been having a game of butterfly bingo, trying to see who can be the first to tick off a number of common species. You can join in too if you head over to our Facebook page and take a screenshot of our butterfly bingo grid and let us know when you get a full house. So far we've seen peacocks, commas, brimstones, small tortoiseshells, red admirals and orange tips but the blue and white species of butterfly are still eluding us at the moment. Keep your eyes open for adders too. Our Fingering Howick Nature Reserve is a great place to spot them sunning themselves on a nice flat rock. Now talking of sunning yourself, many of us are probably longing for our next well-deserved holiday, I know I am, relishing the opportunity to take some time out for yourself, reconnect with family and friends and step back from some of our responsibilities. We all know stress is bad for us but it can be hard to escape it sometimes and finding the time to get away from it all can be really difficult, whether that's down to money, commitments or other stresses in our lives. That's where nature is a little hidden gem. Just a few minutes spent in nature can dramatically improve our mood, help us feel less anxious and put things in perspective. Helena Beatty is our head of culture and along with her team, they are always striving to help us as staff here at the Trust use nature to improve our mindfulness and overall well-being. Today, she's here to share some of her words of wisdom with you. Hello, my name is Helena Beatty and I'm the Head of Culture at the Essex Wildlife Trust and I'm part of our People Support Team. We're the team that's responsible for supporting all of our people across the Trust, including staff and volunteers. And part of our responsibility, amongst many other things people-wise, is to lead on the Trust's people
people wellbeing strategy, supporting our people in the workplace so they can flourish and be the best that they can be, and in turn support the Essex Wildlife Trust goal to become a wilder Essex. Today, I'm going to be talking about what stress is and the many ways that you can help to manage your stress. I'm going to be talking particularly about how connecting with nature can be one of the best ways to manage stress. We'll be looking at how mindfulness in particular in natural settings can really help. I'm taking a lunchtime walk today in my local nature reserve on the edge of the River Blackwater in Essex. It's a beautiful sunny spring day. Um, It's a bit breezy and unfortunately still rather chilly. The sky is really blue. Um, I'm standing on the seawall looking over the water across to Molden. I can see loads of birds, um, loads of seagulls, black-headed gulls and uh, a couple of cormorants. And it's a really beautiful sight, just taking it all in and enjoying the beautiful natural sights on the estuary. It's the start of April, and April is Stress Awareness Month. Stress Awareness Month has been held every April since 1992 to increase public awareness about both the causes and cures of the modern stress epidemic. Stress is an issue we can all relate to in some way or another. We will all have experienced what we recognise as stress at some point in our life. In the UK's largest ever stress survey, 74% of people said stress has made them feel overwhelmed and unable to cope. For some, the cause of stress is very obvious, such as challenging deadlines and the pressure this can cause. But other causes are more subtle, such as fluctuations in temperature, the constant buzz of activity, how we navigate the office, working from home or commuting to work, and of course more besides. These all quietly contribute to wearing us all down, particularly with the backdrop of worries about wider events in the UK and more globally in the past couple of years, what with the pandemic and the current unrest in certain areas of the world. So what is stress? Stress is our body's response to pressure. Many different situations or life events can cause stress and it's often triggered when we experience something new, unexpected or that threatens our sense of self or when we feel we have little control over a situation. And how do we know we're stressed? When we encounter stress, our body produces stress hormones, adrenaline or cortisol that triggers a fight or flight response and activates our immune system. This helps us, of course, respond quickly to dangerous situations. So is stress bad for you? Well, not all stress is bad for you. Indeed, we all need a certain amount of stress to function. However, there becomes a point when stress is no longer beneficial and has an impact on health. And how does stress show itself in the body? There's a number of psychological and emotional signs, such as depression or anxiety, anger, irritability or restlessness, feeling overwhelmed, unmotivated or unfocused. It can also cause problems with your memory and concentration and can cause trouble sleeping or make you sleep too much. And of course, the physical symptoms that many of us will be aware, such as headaches and dizziness, muscle tension or pain, stomach problems, chest pain, feeling sick or nauseous, and many, many more. So most importantly, what can we do to relieve our stress and how can nature help us? There are many things we can do to help alleviate the feeling of stress and worry such as talking about your feelings to a friend, a family member or a health professional, getting out and exercising outdoors and setting aside self time for yourself, using calming breathing exercise, doing yoga or losing yourself in a good film or book. And of course, what works for one person may not work for others. Finding a go-to way of helping to manage your stress is so important. 
Nature is a fantastic thing for our well-being. It's increasingly accepted that having nature nearby is important for our well-being. There are even government policies now on connecting people with nature for well-being, such as the United Kingdom's 25-year environment plan. This plan includes a nature environment for health and well-being programme to promote nature for well-being. As well as simply having nature nearby, we now know that the relationship between people and the rest of nature and how we connect with nature is really important. Recent evidence suggests that connection with nature or nature connectedness is more important for mental well-being than simple exposure to nature. Research based on the successful Wildlife Trust's 30 Days Wild campaign shows the positive connection between nature and well-being through aiding emotional regulation and also through being tuned into nature's beauty. There have been shown to be significant correlations between nature connectedness and both psychological and social well-being. Nature connectedness has been shown to be associated with greater feelings of autonomy, personal growth and purpose in life, lower levels of anxiety, depression and stress, and increased attention span and cognitive functioning. In this way, nature connection can bring greater balance to our emotional regulation system and can contribute to fostering two different dimensions of happiness, both joy and calm. Importantly, the stronger a person's connection to nature, the more likely they are to spend time there and experience more of the benefits and exposure to it. Put simply, engaging positively and connecting with nature improves our well-being. So how can I connect with nature? You could do something as small and simple as sitting in your garden with a cup of tea and listening to the birdsong, a practical task such as building a bee, B&B, or even having a picnic in your garden. Or take a walk in a green space, a local park or reserve, just anywhere where you can be outside in nature. It's about noticing the small, tiny details in the natural world and really taking your time to appreciate your surroundings. We're so lucky to have some beautiful countryside, parkland and coastline in Essex and some fantastic Essex Wildlife Trust Nature Reserves and Nature Discovery Centres where you can really enjoy wildlife and being in nature. I'm really lucky to have this nature reserve quite literally outside my front door. I'll often take a stroll here when I need a break at lunchtime. And I often practice mindfulness when out and about in nature. It's a brilliant way to refocus and take your mind away from your daily stress and focus on your surroundings and in the present moment. Mindfulness is a great way to help with stress relief. It's a technique which can help people manage their mental health or simply gain more enjoyment from life. It involves making a special effort to give your full attention to what's happening in the present moment, to what's happening in your body, your mind or your surroundings, for example, in a non-judgmental way. Mindfulness describes a way of approaching our thoughts and feelings so that we become more aware of them and react differently to them. So how can mindfulness help? It can help you to do many, many things like increase your awareness of your thoughts and feelings, help you to manage unhelpful thoughts, develop more helpful responses to difficult feelings and events, and of course, to be kinder to yourself, to feel calmer and able to manage stress better, and also to help manage some of your physical health problems like chronic pain. So how does mindfulness work? In mindfulness, you try to become more aware of your thoughts, emotions and physical feelings. This can help you to notice when you get caught up in negative thoughts so you can manage them. Become aware of the effect that thoughts or events have on your body so that you can look after yourself. Feel able to make a choice about how you respond to your thoughts and feelings. And also to observe the thoughts that come and go and do not have to define who you are or your experience of the world. Mindfulness is all about focusing on the senses, what you can hear, see, feel, touch, 
taste and smell and really taking it all in. Really focus on each of your senses in turn. Appreciate the beauty of the natural environment, the wildlife, the trees, the plants, any beautiful flowers and how they move in the wind. Spend time taking notice of these things. Take in the air and breathe deeply. Notice how the temperature of the sun and the feeling of the wind on your face. Just be fully present in the here and now. When we practice mindfulness, our thoughts tune in to what we're sensing in the present moment rather than just rehashing the past or imagining the future or telling ourselves judgmental stories about me, others and the world we live in. Nature is the perfect partner in developing this state of mind and way of being and can truly help us manage our stress. If you're struggling with stress and need further help, there are also many fantastic resources online to help you. Mind and the NHS have some fantastic online resources to help you manage your stress. Thanks, Helena. It's so important to try and practice what we preach, as we do all live stressful lives these days with a constant bombardment of technology, which humans aren't designed to be around 24-7. So taking a few minutes out to get back into nature is something we all need to make us feel truly human again. Well, thank you for tuning into this month's episode of The Wildlife Explorer. We hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know if there is something you'd like us to cover on a future episode of the podcast. Or if you have a burning wildlife-related question, feel free to get in touch via our social media platforms or by emailing us at communications at sxwt.org.uk and we'll do our best to answer it for you. I'm going to leave you today with our fact of the week. Did you know dandelion heads contain up to 100 individual flowers known as florets? Each florette contains nectar and pollen, making them a bumper food source for our bees and insects. You may have noticed that dandelions are suddenly out in force with their sunshiny flowers popping up everywhere. So if you can, be sure to leave them alone and enjoy watching bees and other bugs feasting on them. Also, don't forget to record your dandelion sightings and any other wildflowers you come across on the iNaturalist app as part of our Essex BioBlitz campaign. We've had an amazing response so far with well over 2,000 observations. It's quite addictive once you get started and you'll be scanning your eyes alongside roadside verges and paths wherever you go. So head over to our website and search for Essex BioBlitz for information on how to take part. Until next month, stay wild and happy spotting. Mm-hmm.